on Saturday at noon Eastern Standard Time, or 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, whichever time zone you're from, the USC Trojans will travel to the Colorado Buffaloes to play in a packed Folsom Field. On the surface, these two teams have similarities shared between them, that being that they have offenses that can score quickly, they have phenomenal quarterbacks, great wide receiver cores, um, underrated tight end rooms, and their offensive lines have had some struggles. Defensively, they can't stop molasses. That's where the similarities end, though. USC's offensive line, despite some of its struggles, are much better than Colorado's offensive lines. USC has the blue-chip ratio historically required to win the national championship. USC is a top-10 team. Meanwhile, Colorado just lost 42-6 to at Oregon and dropped out of the top 25 for the first time since Week 1's preseason poll before the season began. And defensively, USC has players like Bear Alexander and Christian Roland Wallace, Mason Cobb, Tackett Curtis. They have high-level players defensively. For Colorado, they have Travis Hunter, who will be out of this game, still recovering from a very unfortunate injury to his liver. And they also have Trevor Woods at strong safety. That's just about it defensively for Colorado. Colorado does not have nearly the talent that USC does. Yet, both defenses are horrifically inefficient. I'd in fact say that USC's defense, given its much superior talent pool, is an even more abhorrent and inefficient defense than Colorado's is. Just watch the Arizona State game. I'm from the state of Michigan. I cover the Big Ten, so for USC fans, next season you're going to hear me talk a lot more about you. That's part of the reason I'm making this video, is so I can familiarize myself with future Big Ten members, USC, and then in other videos, UCLA, Washington, Oregon. I'm going to try and cover these teams for parts of the 2023 season, so welcome aboard. Please subscribe, like the video, and hit the notification bell so you can get notified of future content about your team, and also when your team officially joins the Big Ten, you're constantly going to be in my content feed. Welcome aboard to the channel. Hopefully you will be a part of the reason why this channel will hit 20,000 subscribers at the end of the season. And lastly, regardless if you're a USC fan, Colorado fan, or college football fan, comment your thoughts on this video down below. Both of these teams have great quarterbacks, great offenses. The offenses, while on the surface, however, are in fact very different. Um, as college football nerds likes to put it, USC's offense, Lincoln Riley's offense, is thought to be a passing offense, and they're successful at passing the football. But their philosophy of offense is also, it, it prioritizes the run very much. Um, that's why Mar Marshawn Lloyd is 39 carries, 349 rushing yards, and he's averaging nearly nine yards per pop with two rushing touchdowns. Austin Jones, the backup, he's averaging 8.4 yards per carry with three rushing touchdowns. And Quinton Joyner, another running back, is averaging eight yards per carry as well. Um, USC's run game right now is averaging 6.9 yards per carry on 111 carries 
with 768 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. USC's offense can run the ball in between the tackles, in between the guards, on the outside, or they can pass it, and they could kill you over the top with Caleb Williams, who right now is averaging 11.9 yards per pass attempt, has 1,200 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, no interceptions thrown yet. And that was a preseason goal of Caleb Williams. If you remember him, I think he made national headlines talking about how his goal is to not throw a single interception for the whole season. And while I think that's pretty unrealistic, so far he's on pace to doing it. So I'm not going to criticize him yet. He has a 223.1 passer rating, and he also has 71 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns on the ground. Whether it's Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, Deuce Robinson, Zachariah Branch, who is a freak athlete. By the way, him and Deuce Robinson are both true freshmen. They already have over 150 receiving yards and each have at least one receiving touchdown. This receiver room is deep. The running back room is impressive. The quarterback room, when you have last year's Heisman winner returning and he looks better than he did last year statistically, that's always a good sign. USC's offense is humming and before we even get to the predictions segment of this video, I'm going to tell you they're going to score a lot of points in this game. However, I do expect Colorado to put up more of a fight against USC than they did against Oregon. I expect that. Doesn't mean it will happen, and we'll get to my score prediction, of course, far later in the video, and as we go along, hopefully you get a better idea of where I'm going. But USC's defense has shown vulnerability. Colorado's has as well. Colorado's offense, on the other hand, when it's in rhythm and when they can get the ball out and when they're not put behind the sticks, when they're not interrupted and when momentum isn't sucked out of the air like it was against Oregon the minute they scored their first touchdown, the offense and the way it's executed and I'd say the you know, play calling, schematics, it's amazing. It's phenomenal. And I say that because the lack of talent at Colorado watching that Oregon game, it's so apparent, and it was also apparent against Colorado State, that it just boggles my mind that Colorado's 3-1 and one and not 1-3. and three. Or even, given how much of a fight Colorado State put up, 0-4. Oh Shadur Sanders at quarterback is one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. Xavier Weaver, Dylan Edwards, um, Elton McCaskill, Savion Wilkerson, Anthony Hankerson, Jimmy Horn Jr., Travis Hunter, a quarterback-wide receiver hybrid, Michael Harrison. Those, in sum, are the majority of all of Colorado's talented players. The offensive line isn't good. The defensive line isn't good. In fact, you could say that both of those rooms are terrible. And terrible is probably underselling how ineffective and poor at their job those rooms are. Colorado has atrocious trench play. Their linebacker room isn't good. Their secondary is the best part of the defense. And right now their best secondary player, Travis Hunter, is injured. So the matchup very much goes in USC's favor. And you see that in the point spread. USC is favored by 21.5 points, despite having their own, um, I, 
I guess the best term to say would be idiot moment against Arizona State University. Arizona State is even more talentless than Colorado is, and that's not saying they don't have players. They do, whether it's Cameron Scadaboo or um, Jaden Rashada. And then I know that they have a guy with the last name of Badger at wide receiver who I watched, and he did very well against USC. But when I say talentless, I mean that as a whole group, the anywhere from, you know, 80 to 100, whatever amount of players on the roster that do or do not have scholarships combined, there isn't much talent on Arizona State or Colorado's roster that is evenly spread out. For Colorado, it's a quarterback, wide receiver, a little bit of running back, tight end, and defensive back. That's where all the talent is concentrated. USC, on paper, probably should have beaten Arizona State by 50. In fact, the point spread was higher than 30 points, and that was a game until the fourth quarter. Now, by game, USC likely was never going to blow their lead or end up losing. But my goodness, they didn't look organized. Arizona State was playing backyard football to keep it within a score of the Trojans, and Drew Pine was able to burn USC's defensive backs. It was ridiculous. It was totally and utterly ridiculous. That's why I stayed up until 2 a.m. to watch that game. It was entertaining, and entertaining for all the wrong reasons if you're a USC fan. Nonetheless, they have talent, they have a good quarterback, and they also have talent not just on offense but on defense. Bear Alexander was highly recruited out of high school, committed to Georgia. He wanted more playing time, so he comes to USC and already at USC, Bear Alexander, he has one and a half sacks. And last year at Georgia, he just had two. Alexander also has 12 total tackles and two passes defended. And he had a pretty big play against Arizona State. Solomon Bird, a defensive end, and Jamil Muhammad, another defensive end right now of a combined seven and a half sacks. USC has two interceptions, they have 16 sacks on the year, eight forced fumbles. This defense, once again, for USC, seems to be relying on forcing turnovers to get stops. Or the defense relies on USC's offense to pull so far ahead that they force opposing offenses, like let's say Stanford's or even Arizona State's, out of their identity, which makes them completely fall apart since they're inferior teams. Colorado, I can't even believe I'm saying this, might be the toughest competition USC has faced yet. They're 3-1, and one, they're top 70 in FPI, uh, USC's 8th in FPI, and according to any power index worth its salt, the Trojans have no business losing this game. But Stanford? Stanford lost to Sacramento State, the head coach's former school that he left to coach at Stanford. Um, San Jose State? Some thought that they were going to be a good group of five team, but then Oregon State blew them out, and they lost a few other games as well. And we already know that Arizona State is not good, and Nevada got blown out by an FCS school. USC right now is one of the weakest current strength of schedules nationally. Um, their future strength of schedule is going to be very tough. If the Trojans go 12-0 and with their schedule, they'll probably be one of the best teams, if not potentially the best team in all of college football. They have Notre Dame, Washington, Oregon, Utah, 
UCLA. I mean, all those teams, I think, are of top 25 or at least top 30 caliber. Five of them. I think all in the final six games of USC schedule. It's nuts. Um, But right now, and this is coming from a Michigan fan, a guy who will happily admit to you that my team's strength of schedule currently is not strong, Michigan has played a tougher opponent than USC has. That tougher opponent being Rutgers. That's nothing to be proud of. So, road game against a team who has now a large committed fan base and tons of noise around the program. I think this is going to be USC's biggest test of the year so far. Obviously, the tests get bigger from here. USC's favored by 21.5, and about 60% of all um, bettors, according to Action Network, are betting for USC to cover the spread. They're given an 89.8% chance to win. Uh, the Trojans and Buffaloes have defenses both outside of the top 50 in total defense. Colorado's is much lower, and that primarily, I think, is just because Colorado can't run the football. Um, they can't control the game as well as USC can. Also, USC, it, by controlling the game better, but also having better athletes in the passing game, quarterback, and also on defense, USC has a much higher ceiling in just about every way than Colorado does. And they've also faced weaker opponents than Colorado has. Um, TCU, better than any team um, USC has played. Oregon far superior than any team USC has played. Nebraska is probably a better team than anyone USC has played as well. Honest to goodness. And Colorado State, they're probably better than, they're definitely better than Nevada. Uh, They're definitely better than Stanford. I don't know if they're better than Arizona State or better than San Jose State, but you get the picture. Colorado has played tougher opponents. They've played an elite offense in Colorado. So, of course, statistically, Colorado's defense looks far and away worse than USC's. They're allowing nearly 500 yards per game, which is bad no matter how hard your schedule is. And I'd say almost downright unacceptable, if not for the fact that Deion Sanders is in year one and he took over one of the worst football programs of recent memory. USC's defense is allowing 364.5 total yards, 136 and a half of them are on the ground, 228 are in the air. For Colorado, 269.3 of their 475.8 yards allowed on average are through the air, but 206 and a half are allowed on the ground. And this right here is a big part of the reason why I think even if Colorado has juice and they respond correctly to the adversity they faced against Oregon, it's so hard for me to see them winning. USC's averaging, again, on the ground, insane numbers. Marshawn Lloyd is nearly averaging nine yards per touch. USC's averaging seven yards per carry. Colorado has one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. Caleb Williams could probably attempt 10 passes, and USC could still win by a comfortable margin. If not, blow out Colorado. Nonetheless, because their running back room is that good, the way that they, you know, scheme up their run blocking is great. The offensive line, I know I said earlier in the video, has had struggles, and they have. I think that the fact that they've allowed five sacks and they've had some other games where they just look sloppy to begin with against their competition is indicative of that. It's still a good or great offensive line 
nationally. They've just had some issues, if you catch what I'm trying to say. So USC has the better matchup, and Colorado does have the home field advantage, which of course helps them. But in every position group, except for, I think, tight end, I think Colorado is a very underrated tight end, USC does have the advantage. Um, Colorado's tight end, I'm going to talk about Colorado first because, look, they have the worst position groups out of this matchup. So we save the best for last year. And that's a theme, especially in our reaction videos, by the way. Michael Harrison is a good tight end. He's one of the better tight ends in the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 has a deep collection of wide receivers and tight ends. Michael Harrison has 14 receptions for 135 yards, and he has three receiving touchdowns out of the team's 11 receiving touchdowns. Um, Good player. I think that a good tight end in the offense that Colorado runs is important, not just obviously from the standard duties of a tight end being a weird hybrid of an offensive lineman for blocking and a receiver for catching the ball, but also because he's 6'3", 215 pounds, um, and he provides matchup opportunities. He's averaging 9.6 yards per reception right now, and his biggest game was against Colorado State, where he helped he helped make a comeback win, and he kept, if I'm being honest, he helped keep Colorado in that game because Travis Hunter being, you know, being injured by that big hit really shocked Colorado. I mean, Travis Hunter is a big part of the Buffalo's game plan. He's that good of a player. And to circle back to what I said earlier in this video, Colorado has little to no talent outside of a collection of a few skill players. So having Michael Harrison step up and show himself against Colorado State, and he also collected Colorado's lone touchdown pass against Oregon, I think that he's a good tight end. I think that his role in this offense has grown as a result of Hunter's injury, and I think that they're going to begin to lean on him more and more as the season goes along, just to help diversify their options in attacking opposing defenses. Colorado already has Jimmy Horn Jr., and they have Xavier Weaver, who has 34 receptions for 461 yards and two receiving touchdowns. He leads the team outside of Javon Antonio, who only has three receptions. Weaver leads the team in average yards per reception with 13.6, and he has a long reception of 44. Also, we can't forget about Dylan Edwards. I know that he's not a tight end, but Dylan Edwards is a good running back. The problem is he has no one up front to block for him. He is, however, a great receiving threat. And Colorado and Sean Lewis, they're going to spread the field. And if they can spread the field and confuse an Alex Grinch defense that has allowed wide open receivers from different schools and also at times looks soft against the run game, well, Dylan Edwards as a receiving threat out of the backfield, I think can be very dangerous. You saw that against TCU especially, and against Nebraska, who has one of the country's better rushing defenses, Dylan Edwards and Colorado were able to lean on the ground game late in the game, primarily because of Dylan Edwards' speed. He's very quick. He's not a power back. He's a speed and space back. And as a great receiving threat, and also as a guy that you know, can find holes and that has incredible patience and has been praised from Deion Sanders. 
Watch out for him in the receiving game and also on the ground game. If he finds a hole, he will pick up chunks of yards. Colorado has great skill players. Um, Finally, I want to talk about Shadur Sanders. 169 pass attempts on the year, 1,410 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. He's been sacked 22 times. Um, And USC's defense, let's just mention this yet again. What do they want to do? They want to get turnovers and they want to get sacks because that's basically the only way they're going to stop opposing offenses from scoring on them is sacking the quarterback and forcing turnovers. Sanders does not turn over the football. He doesn't. Um, His first interception ever this season was on a deep pass against Colorado State that was partially the receiver's fault. He didn't even turn it over against Oregon. He does not turn over the football. He's accurate. He's well-poised. He can make you know freakishly athletic moves to escape the pocket or pick up critical yards. He's a good quarterback, and I can only imagine how you know highly rated he would be in efficiency metrics and passer rating statistics if he had just a average or above-average offensive line. He has a 167.3 passer rating, and he does have a 75.1 quarterback efficiency rating, according to ESPN, which would peg him as the 30th best quarterback in the nation. I think that's underrating him, but I could be wrong, as always. So my opinion is not final on any of this. For USC, their staff is better. Their quarterback in Caleb Williams, safe to say, is better, not just from an NFL prospect standpoint, but Caleb Williams is top 15 in quarterback efficiency. He has a passer rating that's above 200. And you saw him make, you know, the Patrick Mahomes-esque type plays against Arizona State, where if Arizona State was, you know, they were sitting in coverage, being disciplined, they had the perfect, you know, play called, USC would be patient. They'd, you know, keep Caleb Williams alive and protected as long as they could and Williams would be able to scramble out of the pocket and find his receivers deep. You know, let them bounce around, let them be creative and roam free after their assignments were done. And he did that a few times. Caleb Williams is a very intelligent quarterback. He has all the physical tools to succeed. He's the nation's number one quarterback right now in terms of just raw potential in play. And if you just take into account what they've done so far this season, it's either him or Michael Penix, in my mind, who are the nation's number one quarterback, if you don't factor in their previous reputations. Like, if you really don't care that Caleb Williams won the Heisman last year, or you don't care about Michael Penix's injury history, or the fact that he's not a good scrambler, but you just look at the passing aspect of the quarterback, which is obviously the most important, it's either Caleb Williams or Michael Penix from Washington, two Pac-12 quarterbacks, who I think are the best in the country. The staff I'm going to have to give to USC. I think that Alex Grinch is one of the worst defensive coordinators in the country, but that doesn't cancel out the fact that Lincoln Riley is not only one of college football's better head coaches, but he's also a mastermind and a guru when it comes to developing quarterbacks and when it comes to drawing up offensive game plans. And USC, the staff that they've built, outside of their head coach and coordinators, are also good. And they've used the transfer portal wisely to get talent so they could win immediately, going 11-3 and last season. 
And Colorado, I like Deion Sanders, I like Sean Lewis, and I like Charles Kelly, the defensive coordinator, but I do have to give a slight edge, if not a sizable edge, to USC staff here. After all, this is Deion Sanders' first year as a head coach in the FBS. I like what he's done, and I said even before this season began that I believe he will work out in the long term. But Lincoln Riley's a great college football head coach. He really is. Um, Running back, Marshawn Lloyd, end of discussion. USC is the better running back room. Wide receiver was so tough. It really was. Um, I think if Travis Hunter was healthy, the Buffaloes would actually have the advantage at wide receiver. But they don't. Um, Travis Hunter's going to be out for this game, which means that Colorado's going to have to deal with Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, Deuce Robinson, Zachariah Branch. Dorian Singer was projected by many, along with possibly Mario Williams, to be the best wide receivers on this football team in the preseason. And four other receivers lead them in receiving yards. And in the case of Mario Williams, there are five receivers who lead him both in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Those being Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, Deuce Robinson, Zachariah Branch, and Dorian Singer, who lead Mario Williams in all those categories. And Dorian Singer is led by Zachariah Branch, Brendan Rice, and Taj Washington in receiving yards, and he is either tied or trailing those three players in receiving touchdowns. This wide receiver room is one of the deeper receiver rooms in the country. I don't think Zachariah Branch has the potential to become this. I don't think they have a Marvin Harrison Jr., even in a Mecca Igbuka, and I think that Washington's receivers are so much better. But those receiver rooms are alien, you know, freak athlete, super, you know, football intelligent. Those are like the perfect receiver rooms. Washington's and Ohio State's full of NFL-ready players in every sense of that phrase. That's amazing. I don't think USC has that, but they have a, a top six, maybe even top five wide receiver room, certainly one that's in the top 10. Colorado with an injury to Travis Hunter, they just don't have the depth that USC does. It's going to be very hard for Jimmy Horn Jr., Dylan Edwards out of the backfield, and Xavier Horn to keep up with you know, Deuce Robinson, Zachariah Branch, Taj Washington, Mario Williams, Dorian Singer. It, it's going to be so hard when USC can just rotate guys in and out who are playmakers. USC can efficiently and easily keep their team rested. They're very good at rotating players. They have depth. Colorado doesn't. And you see this as well on defense. USC on defense, they have Bear Alexander, and they have Jack Sullivan, and they have Kion Bars behind Bear Alexander. Um, at linebacker, they have Mason Cobb, Tackett Curtis, and then behind Tackett Curtis, they have Eric Gentry, who's a great athlete. Secondary is different, I would say. I think that USC is weaker at secondary in terms of total talent than perhaps other units. But they have, you know, Jalen Smith. They have Damani Jackson. They have Max Williams. They have Kalen Bullock. They have, you know, C.R. Wright. And behind those players, they have Christian Roland Wallace, who is one of the better cornerback transfers of the 2023 portal class. They have Bryson Shaw, a veteran free safety. They have depth. I cannot say that enough. Colorado does not have depth 
in any sense of the word on defense. Um, Cormani McLean, who was a five-star out of high school, Deion Sanders even said a few weeks ago that he's holding himself back in camp. He's not even starting, and if he was able to give Colorado any chance to do better on defense, he would be starting because they're just that thin at the position. Also, USC special teams unit has been pretty good this season, so they get the edge there. USC is a 9-1 to position advantage over the Buffaloes. Marshawn Lloyd is the player to watch for me from USC. Marshawn Lloyd, he transferred in from South Carolina after having, you know, a pretty on-and-off career there due to injuries. But when he was healthy, he could run, he could power forward. He's, he's, he's a do-it-all back in a lot of senses. Right now, he has 349 rushing yards. He's averaging nine yards per carry, and he has two rushing touchdowns. And on the receiving end of things, he has four receptions for 67 yards with a long of 54. Marshawn Lloyd's a great player. And in a moment like this, against a defense like this, he could have over 200 rushing yards. And it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up having that many rushing yards in this game. He's fast, his offensive line opens up holes for him, and if USC is passing the ball and running and you know they're dialing up different plays to just keep Colorado's defense on their heels and confused, I can see Lloyd breaking off several big runs and also getting tons, probably, you know, unholy amounts of yards after contact. So I think that Lloyd is a player to look out for. I really don't see any other player to pay attention to. We already know of the wide receivers. Um, We already know of Caleb Williams. Defensively, I think you could look out for Solomon Bird, Jamil Muhammad, Bear Alexander, um, Jack Sullivan, like that defensive line. All those players have a real opportunity of collecting multiple sacks against Shadur Sanders and also several tackles for loss. Offensively, I can only see Marshawn Lloyd being a player to watch, really. I mean, this is going to be the way through the ground that USC has the best chance of dominating this game is through Marshawn Lloyd. Colorado's defense is much better at defending the pass than they are at defending the run. And Marshawn Lloyd is a great running back. So if you're Lincoln Riley and Lincoln Riley, you know, running an offense that loves to run the football and loves to spread opponents out, you know, while still running it, they're not a pass heavy offense like most people think they are. I think that there will be results likely produced by Marshawn Lloyd. For Colorado, speaking of USC's defensive line, Van Wells is their starting center. He wasn't healthy for the Colorado State game, but he was back for the Oregon game, and I'm pretty sure that he is going to be starting healthy in this game against the Trojans. The offensive line needs to play at a level that we have not seen them play at all season long. If Colorado wants any chance of an upset or a game that is within one possession or two possessions in the fourth quarter, they cannot have Shadur Sanders being sacked more than five, six, or seven times, and that's probably stretching it. You cannot have Shadur Sanders get pressured out of his mind, because if that happens, then when he isn't pressured, he has to play a perfect game. It has to be, you know, sack or deep pass for a first down. Now, USC's defense, that's sort of their mojo in one way or another. They either sack you, force a turnover, or you score on them. 
So maybe that could work for Colorado too, but to maximize their chance of victory, the offensive line needs to play well. And that doesn't just help protect Shadur Sanders, that also means Colorado might be able to play some complimentary football, which means that USC's defense isn't allowed to take a one-dimensional approach, which will help them defend the pass. So Colorado's offensive line, all those players, but especially their leader, Van Wells, that's an area that I want to pay attention to. I do think that Colorado's defense will be hopeless against an offense like USC's. It will depend on how good Colorado's offense or how efficient their offense, rather, can be to keep them in this game. I think that it will be you know, somewhat competitive, mainly because of USC's defense, frankly, not being impressive. And I think this, by a mile, is the best offense they faced all season long. Plus, it's on the road. The environment is going to be great, and this is more of a historical factor or a potential historical factor than an on-the-field factor. Colorado could be in wounded animal mode, and at Oklahoma and also at times at USC, there have been games where Lincoln Riley should win or should dominate, and the team is just completely flat or they fall apart. It happened during his tenure at Oklahoma against Iowa State, and against Kansas State. At USC, he's only been there one season. There's an, you know, an obvious weakness to teams like Utah who are built to be physical and have great defense. And they also had some problems with Oregon State. But there were other games, like against California, for example, where USC probably should have performed at a much higher level than they actually did. And last year, it did take him a few quarters to get going against Colorado. So those are just some outside factors that could play a, a significant role in this game, but I mainly want to keep it to on the field. And looking at this on the field, USC is going to win. I expect them to win by double digits. I think Colorado covers, but USC, I think, easily has 500 or more yards of total offense, 250 or more passing, I think 250 or more rushing. Lincoln Riley is going to want to exploit that rushing defense that Colorado has. This game, a bad news for USC, I think, is it, it'll show how soft this defense is. I do not, under any circumstances, like this defense. I think that if Lincoln Riley and USC want a chance to succeed, and by succeed I mean win the Big Ten, USC isn't moving to the Big Ten to not win a Big Ten title. That's unacceptable, because USC is one of the premier programs of college football, and they're a blue blood. In order for them to win a Big Ten championship, Alex Grinch has to be gone. He, he must, he must be stopped if USC wants to win a Big Ten championship. And the defense last year was bad. I know a large part of that was due to depth issues. They have much better depth this year, but against Arizona State, San Jose State, I mean, just the the ability of group of five caliber quarterbacks to burn their defensive backs is unreal. It really is. And they have so many weaknesses that I think Colorado and Sean Lewis, who's a brilliant offensive mind, are going to be able to exploit. The bad news for Colorado is USC's better coached and they're better and they're they're just better. They're the better team. They're more talented. I think Shadur Sanders will have four hundred or more passing yards and Colorado's defense will force one turnover. That's why I don't have USC scoring 50 or even 60 points. 
which in all likelihood they have a great chance of doing against this defense. In fact, it might be more likely that USC does score 50 or 60 points compared to my prediction that they'll just score 49. Colorado will respond to last week's humiliation against Oregon, but it won't be enough. Colorado's in year one. The fact that they're 3-1 and one right now is already impressive. They could finish 3-9, and nine, and this season would be a drastic success compared to the year that they had last season in 2022. USC, on the other hand, in the grand scheme of things, I think might be due for a step back this year in terms of record. I think they're better or the same as a team compared to last year. Unfortunately, last year, USC still had the remnants of the South Division's schedule. Now they have to play Washington. They have to play Oregon. Um, Utah was already in the South. have to play UCLA as well. All of those teams, I think, have gotten better than last year's counterparts. And they also have to play on the road at Notre Dame, who is a much more complete football team than last year. So USC, record-wise, I think, takes a step back, not because they're overall a worse team. I think overall they're better. Their schedule just got that much tougher because like five of their opponents on their schedule were better compared to last year's teams like the Ducks this year, and especially the Huskies, I think. And they didn't even play the Ducks or the Huskies last season, but now they have to play them this year. And Oregon and Washington, in my mind, are top six teams in college football. And UCLA, I think, is top 30 or top 25. Utah, I think, is top 10 as well. Notre Dame very well could be a top 10 team, too. So the Trojans, as much as I said their strength of schedule at this very moment is not impressive, it will be potentially one of the hardest schedules in the country by the end of the year, by the way things look right now. So I expect a game that's competitive for a half to three quarters, maybe even four quarters, but USC at some point pulls away. Their run game and Marshawn Lloyd, I think, are going to show out, and I think at the end of the day, that's going to be the reason why USC wins, is they can run the football and they can stop the run much better than Colorado can but I do expect a close matchup. Thank you all for watching this video. If you enjoyed it, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell, and especially if you are a USC fan or a fan of UCLA, Oregon, or Washington, you're going to be in the Big Ten next year. I primarily cover Big Ten football, so please subscribe and again, click the notification bell so that when the 2024 preseason begins, you can get more content and news about your team from a Big Ten angle. Thank you to my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst, Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale. You can click the link in my description to check out my Patreon page where you will get exclusive content depending on your tier. And always at the end of the video, you will get a thank you. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.